Our, old, our, new, our gospel, I'll get to the right part eventually, Tim. Our gospel lesson this morning is Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. And I invite you to stand as you're able, in body or in spirit, for the reading of our gospel lesson. For Matthew 2, 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his start at rising, and we have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all of Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For far you, from from you shall come a ruler to shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me words that I may also go and pay him homage. When, he had heard they, when they had heard the king, they set out from there. And ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They knelt down and paid him homage. Then offering him their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Today is a, we're, we're combining some stuff today in the life of the church. Yesterday was Epiphany. December 6th every year is Epiphany, and that's the day we celebrate the arrival of the wise men. So we kind of we extended it one more day so that we could talk about it in worship today. And, and uh, we're gonna, today is also a day called Baptism of the Lord Sunday. We're going to talk about that a little bit at the end of the service. But I love Epiphany. I, I've, always, I've always loved Epiphany. I, I love the wise men. The wise men are some of my favorite characters in Scripture. I just think their story and who they are and what they've done is just really, it's just really fascinating to me. There's a lot that we can learn and unpack uh, from our wise men. And so, like, um, I love that we have had uh, Christmas, as Gwen said in the children's moment, that we have, we have had Christmas so long. You know, we still got our Christmas tree up. Uh, one of my favorite things about Christmas at St. Matthew's is our traveling, our traveling nativity. I love the moving nativity out front. It, it's so funny. Since I've been in Madison, I'll tell folks, well, I'm the pastor of St. Matthew's. And they'll say, oh, you're the church with the moving nativity. And they'll always talk to me about that. And I'll, I love hearing parents say how, yeah, my, my kids like to follow each of the members of the Holy Family as they come towards the stable and then arrive at Christmas. But then what I love, what I love is on the day after Christmas, starting, my directions are bad, starting over there? I don't know where you are. Over that way, starting by Ridgecrest? The wise men show up and they travel each day till yesterday when they arrived at the stable. I just love that. I love, I love seeing their travels because there's something truly neat about the wise men that we're going to kind of talk about throughout this. But here's the thing. When you read the biblical account, it's always important for us to remember that the wise men didn't show up on Christmas night, on Christmas Eve. They showed up two years later because if we were to keep reading this story, we would see, you know, the wise men, 
They went to Herod and said, hey, where's the king? And he's like, I don't know. And they talk about it. And they go find him. Well, they get a dream while they're there saying, hey, don't go back to Herod. So they go home another way. Well, the scripture tells us that then Herod was so outraged, he had every child two and under, every male child two and under, put to death in Bethlehem. So that, that tells us that Jesus was probably about two years old whenever, whenever he, he, the wise men got there. There are so many fascinating things about the stories of the wise men. Um, we've, most scholars believe wise men were probably priests in a religion called Zoroastrianism. It was the main religion in Persia. It was basically modern-day Iran. These were priests who studied the heavens. They would have been astronomers, if you will. They watched the heavens. And so what they saw from their place in Persia is they saw this new star that appeared in the sky that signified to them the birth of this Jewish king. So they travel all the way from Persia to Jerusalem. And as Gwen did such a great job saying, they, they, they didn't have GPS. Like, they didn't have, I'm a nerd. I, I, Randy McNally, you're speaking to my heart. You're talking Randy McNally. My days are truck driver, y'all. I love a map. I, there's not much in my life I love more than a map. If I get bored, sometimes I open up my phone to Google Earth and just look at stuff because I'm a nerd. I love maps. They didn't have any of that. So they finally get to Jerusalem and go to the palace and say, hey, where's this king? And they're like, uh-huh. So what's Herod do? He calls his religious scholars together. And he says, where's the Messiah to be born? They say, well, Bethlehem, obviously. And they read. They read about the birth. You know what's interesting to me about that? The wise men had no reason to be anticipating the birth of Jesus. They were Gentiles. Like, they, they weren't Jewish. They didn't know the Old Testament. They didn't know the prophecies. They had no reason to be looking for the birth of Jesus. None. But yet they were paying attention. They saw this star. And they followed. Okay. Contrast that with the king's scholars. They knew immediately where Jesus would be born, right? They turned right to it. They had all the history and all the heritage and all the scripture. They had everything they would have been needed, needed to have anticipated and looked for the birth of the Messiah, but they missed it. They didn't see it. They didn't see the birth of Jesus. Why? They weren't paying attention, y'all. They weren't paying attention. The very folks who should not have been looking for Jesus found him because they were paying attention. And the very folks who should have found Jesus missed him because they weren't paying attention. One of the biggest tricks the devil plays on us, one of the biggest things the devil can do is to get us to not pay attention. You know the routine, y'all. Every day is like every other day. Wake up, drink your coffee, read the paper, watch the news, go to work, come home, eat supper, do your stuff, go to bed, lather, rinse, repeat. Day after day after day after day. 
What happens is this. We stop paying attention. We get numbed to the routines of life. And we stop looking for Jesus. We just live our lives unaware and not looking for Jesus. That's one of the biggest things the devil can do to us. The wise men found Jesus because they were looking for him. The religious scholars missed him because they weren't paying attention. So I, I think that's a beautiful thing. The, the, the wise men were Gentiles. They had no reason to come, but yet they come. And we, they offer their gifts. By the way, Scripture does not say how many wise men there were. It tells us they offered us three gifts. They offered him three gifts. But it doesn't say exactly how many they were. I doubt there's a hundred of them. But, you know, we don't know. for Sure. Uh, there's a lot of traditions to the wise men. Someone this morning told me their names traditionally. I've already forgotten their names, so I'm sorry that I've already forgotten them, she told me. But I'm not going to try to remember it. But they offered three gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Each of those gifts has some great symbolic meaning. What is gold? Gold is for a king, isn't it? The king's crown is gold. The king's throne is gold. Gold is symbolic of the king. Frankincense. It is a type of incense that's used in worship. It is a type of incense used in worship at the temple. So we see the gold showing us that Jesus is king of kings and lord of lords. We see the incense showing us that he is our high priest. He is the sacrifice to which we have access to the Father. He is the object of our worship. And then we see the myrrh. Myrrh is used to anoint bodies after death. Even in this gift, we see the purpose for which he came, which was to lay down his life for the sins of the world. For my sins, for your sins, and for their sins. He came to give himself as an offering so that whosoever could believe could have eternal life. So how awesome is it then that the first people to come and greet him in that way were Gentiles. Were Gentiles who came receiving and knowing the love that this little child had for the world to redeem the world. We see even in their gifts, gold, kingship, frankincense, frankincense, worshipship, myrrh the cross, that even in these gifts, we see who Jesus is. Now, one of the cool things that we don't, this is something that's more legend, but I think this is pretty cool. Legend has it, remember, if we were to keep reading, they would flee from the Holy Land to go to Egypt and then eventually return back at the right time. Tradition and legend has it that the Holy Family used these gifts as a means of support while they were in Egypt. We don't know that, but I think that's kind of cool to think about that. We see how the important role that the wise men played in announcing who Jesus is, announcing his purpose, announcing why he came. So we see their importance. But what's interesting to me, though, about the wise men is their journey. Okay, Israel, if you look on a map, like to remember, I'm a map nerd, so I like maps. If you look on a map, I say that this is a, a goofy Central Mississippi specific analogy. Israel is the stack. Like, if we're going to leave here, and we're going to go to New Orleans from here, we've got to go through the stack, right? Like, there's no way to get to New Orleans without going 
through 55 and 20. You got to. Like, you really can't go around it. You can get to Hattiesburg other ways or Meridian other ways. But if you're going to Bogachita, you pretty much got, which I know we all want to go to Bogachita following the sermon today. I'll call my mama, tell her you're on the way. I mean, I'm, if you're going south, you got to go through the stack. There's really no other way to get there. You got to go through that 2055 interchange. If you're in Rome in Jesus' day and going to Persia, you got to go through Israel. You don't, you don't have a choice. You have to pass through that little strip of land. If you're in Carthage or North Africa and going to Greece, unless you're going to sail across the Mediterranean, if you're going to travel by land, you got to go through Israel. It's the only way to get there. Which meant this is a very traveled path. There are a lot of roads that lead you into Israel. A lot of roads that lead to Bethlehem. It says in the text, when they got the dream, they went by another road. So these roads they traveled on, it didn't like traveling on the interstate. It'd be more like traveling on the trace back in the old days. You know what the trace was full of? Robbers. Muggers. In fact, Jesus told a story kind of about this. He said a man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he was beaten nearly half dead. And a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan passed by him. This concept of these trade routes, these traveling routes that were very dangerous, was a very present concept in their minds. What I'm saying is this. It would have been a lot easier for the wise men to have stayed home. Staying home was the easier option. They weren't Jewish. Jesus wasn't even their king at that point. And it was a hard trip. Y'all, following Jesus is always hard. The road... The path of following Jesus is always challenging. It's never easy. It's oftentimes really hard. There are distractions. There are troubles. There are trials. There are attacks. There are all manner of things that we encounter in our faith, in our life in our journeys that can make following Jesus hard. This road that we walk following Jesus is not always a smooth road. It's not always an easy road. It's not always a road without troubles. But you know what it is? It's the only road that leads to life. Because here's another trick the devil plays on us. All of us got something in our life we're looking for. We all have something. C.S. Lewis says, life is a quest to find joy apart from God. That we all want peace. We all want joy. We all want worth. We all want these things. And so what we do is we often will try to find our purpose or our joy or our peace in something other than God. And by the way, not always bad things. I'm not saying they're bad things. But in our career, 
or in our finance, or in our, our house, or our kids, or our, our whatever. And what happens is every path we walk other than Jesus is a path that even at its best is not going to give us the life that we seek, that we desire, that can only be found in Jesus. So yes, y'all, the path of following Jesus is not always easy. It will be hard. It may be painful. It may take a while. There might not be a Starbucks at every exit. But it's the path that leads to life. It's the path that leads to life. The wise men had many distractions. But they kept their eyes focused on that star. They kept their eyes focused on that star. And it says in the text, when the star rested over Bethlehem, they rejoiced. For they'd found their purpose. Y'all know me. I've said before that I'm a diva. I don't do the outside. I don't do the outdoors. I don't want to go hiking. I grew up off a dirt road. I'm good. I've seen the outdoors. <laughs> I'm great. I lived it. You know, I'm, I don't want to even go glamping. Just give me the Hilton. I'm fine. So this notion of I'm going to go roughing it and I'm going to hike and let the stars be my guide. No, I'm not. I'm going to stay inside and drink coffee and read. That's what I'm going to do. But I do like that notion of following that star. You know, hikers and sailors talk about the North Star that guides their way. I've always liked that concept of the North Star. I've always liked that concept. What is the North Star that you watch? What is the North Star that guides you? What is the North Star that you're going to always follow? I have an in email in my inbox still from years ago. One of my old college mentors, this is a few years back in my ministry, I was thinking through some things and struggling with some stuff. And I asked him, I said, I said what, do you, what do you do? How do you know what's right? How do you know what to follow? And this professor wrote me back and he pretty simply said, Jesus is always your North Star. And that stuck with me through the years. Jesus is always our North Star. The wise men followed the star down that long and winding road that led them to the Savior. Y'all in our lives, the roads we walk, there's going to be a lot of distractions, a lot of troubles, a lot of stuff. Let's fix our eyes on the North Star of Jesus. Let's fix our eyes on the North Star of Jesus. Let's let Jesus be who we follow. Let's let Jesus be what we follow, y'all. And if we follow that star, if we follow that path, no matter the trials, the troubles, the hurts, the loss, the tears, the whatever. If we fix our eyes upon Jesus as our North Star, we will never be led astray. We will always find life. The wise men showed us the importance of following the star. And it led them to Jesus. Friends, in our life, may Jesus always be the North Star that we follow and that we build our lives our church, and our families around. In the name of the Father, 
of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Let us pray.